This week on Daiwa, we're in Taylor County. Rumors of buried treasure lead to a murder charge 47 years after a double homicide occurs. Welcome to Daiwa, the first Iowa-focused true crime podcast, where there's 99 counties and a murder in every one. These are your hosts, Beth LaValle and Allie Tulin. All right, Beth, Taylor County this week, named after our 12th president, Zachary Taylor. Have you been? Definitely not, but <laughs> I have to just go straight into my favorite Zachary Taylor fun fact. Please go. Because it is my second favorite president's death after William Henry Harrison, which we already talked about. And it's just because he ate too many cherries. What? <laughs> so after this 4th of July celebration, President Zachary Taylor like was walking along the, the river. And of course, D.C. is like hot and sweaty in July. Yeah. And he, so he started to feel really hot and tired. And he started drinking iced water and consumed large quantities of cherries and some other fruits. And after that, he just got severe stomach pains for, like, a week. What? And doctors diagnosed him with cholera morbus. I don't know what that means. But basically, he just, like, ate ice chips until, like, he died. His body rejected fluids, and then he died in his bed. And his last quote was, I have always done my duty. I am ready to die. My only regret is for the friends I leave behind me. And he died just after 16 months in office. I'm surprised he didn't regret eating those cherries. <laughs> I know. Which is funny because, like, have you ever eaten, like, a bunch of cherries? No. At one time. Well, it's I do not recommend. That's all I have to say. <laughs> Anyways, oh have you been to Taylor County? I'm with you where I think this is one that I've maybe driven through. But I've never, like, stopped in. So no, I have not visited Taylor County, but I can tell you that Taylor County was home to Waite Phillips, who is a famous petroleum businessman and philanthropist. And Waite actually grew up on a farm near Conway, Iowa in Taylor County and had an identical twin brother named Wyatt or Wyatt. I'm not sure how you pronounced it. Wow, that's rough. Right? And it was just like the... AI was flipped because they were identical twins. They needed identical names, too. (laughs) I hate that so much. (laughs) But they came from a family of uh, 10 kids. And Waite and his twin, when they turned 16, they decided they wanted to explore the American West and did it by working odd jobs on the railroad. But in 1902, their trip ended when they were just 19 because Waite's twin brother died in Washington State from an appendicitis. No. I know. So after, he decided to join his two older brothers in Oklahoma in the petroleum business, and his two brothers founded a little company called Phillips Petroleum, which is now known as ConocoPhillips or Phillips 66. But Waite started his own oil business after working for them in 1914, and in 1925, he sold the Waite Phillips company for a sum of $25 million. Wow. Right? So Waite and his wife built two homes for themselves, or mansions, in Tulsa, Mm -hmm. Oklahoma, or Cimarron, New Mexico. And they were known for, you know, really generously giving to churches, hospitals, universities, and community funds. And during the Great Depression, they actually gave away both of their mansions. So 
The Tulsa one was donated to the city of Tulsa, and they turned it into an art museum called the Philbrook Museum of Art. And the ranch in New Mexico was gifted to the Boy Scouts. And Wade Phillips died in 1964, and one of his famous quotes is, The only things we keep permanently are those we give away. Wow, look at that. Great guy. Really got the Iowa heart with them through (laughs) and through. Well, my other fun fact is about a unique building you can find at the Taylor County Historical Museum in Bedford, Iowa. It is the Lennox Round Barn. The barn was built between 1905 and 1907. The barn was thought to have been designed and built by J.E. Cameron on his farm five miles south of Lennox. It remained on the family's farm until 1996 when they donated it to the Taylor County Historical Society. It was moved to the grounds of the Historical Museum in 1998 and has been on the National Register of Historic Places since 1999 because of its architectural value. The barn is white and has like a dome-like top. There are also tornado-resistant support beams, which seems like a good idea today with all the crazy weather Iowa's been having, which shows you that we are recording this in December. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. I have not been, but it'd be a cool thing to see. Mm-hmm. So before we get into the murder, this is an interesting case. We want to note that it's either a cold case or just a town legend. <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> so it's 1915 and World War I is raging in Europe. Woodrow Wilson is president. The first stop sign appears in Detroit, Michigan, which is cool. And while working as a cook at New York's Sloan Hospital under an assumed name, Typhoid Mary infects 25 people and is placed in quarantine for life. And also in 1915, Billie Holiday was born. And finally, in Taylor County, Iowa, four men from the county are charged for a murder that took place 47 years before 1915, so 1868. Wow, that was such good math for you. So quick. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Thank you so much. (laughs) All right, let's start with some background. The story starts with a county rumor that had been whispered about for years. So again, it's 1868. It's right after the Civil War when gangs like the James Boys who you probably know their famous member, Jesse James, were spreading terror. A similar gang was based in the town of Siam, Iowa, in Taylor County. And one day in 1868, a wealthy cattle buyer from somewhere east came to Siam to buy livestock with his son and was traveling with a trunk full of money. It was said it was somewhere between $80,000 to $100,000, which is about $3 million today. Right? The story is that the gang had met the buyer just outside of Siam and shot both him and his son. The man's body was thrown in a well, but the son had tried to escape. He got a short distance, but was eventually shot dead. The gang buried his body in a locust grove not far from the well. They then buried the trunk full of money in the same grove and made a sort of map of the farm to mark where the location of the trunk was. They hid the map at the house of one of the gang members and said they would return when things calmed down. Before that time arrived, a fire destroyed the home in which the map was hidden and the location was lost. Classic treasure hunt (laughs) mishap. There was one witness to the murders, a young girl whose name had always been guarded by officials. The gang members had told her, quote, If you breathe a word of what you have seen, we will wash our hands in your blood. She then had to wash their bloodstained clothes. Years go by, and the murder goes cold until 1914. In 1914... A local farmer named Sam Anderson filed a suit against four Taylor County men. Anderson had settled on his father-in-law's farm 35 years earlier when one day he was visited by a huntsman brother who had an adjoining farm. 
Bates Huntsman had told Anderson three separate trunks of treasure containing $90,000, $50,000, and $12,000 were buried somewhere on the farms. The Huntsman brothers told Anderson he could have a quarter of the treasure if he agreed to let the men dig anytime and anywhere on the land. While working one night, Anderson claims a screaming ghost chased the brothers and Anderson from a locust grove they were searching. Eventually, they dug up a tin box, but Anderson claims Bates Huntsman pulled a gun on him and ran off with the box. Anderson claimed part of the treasure was inside and he was never given his portion of the treasure. So in 1915, Anderson's attorney, W.W. Bullman, filed information charging four men from the community with murder of a wealthy cattleman and his young son near Siam. The men were Nathaniel Damewood, who was 61, his brother John Damewood, 64, Sam Scrivener, 74, and Bates Huntsman, 77. Bullman said a trunk of money, some in gold, was worth more than $100,000, was stolen and buried in the county. The day of the hearing, it was said that the streets of Bedford, Iowa, were packed. It was a hot July day, and a crowd of about 800 people were crowded in the courtroom. The four men all pled not guilty, but Bullman told the story and also implicated the local physician, Dr. Galladay, who had passed. Many in the town remembered the eccentric doctor had been found dead in his shack a few years ago with thousands of dollars scattered around the place. People back then thought he had saved money the star witness was Mrs. Maria Collins Porter, who was described as a, quote, little old brown-faced lady with a bonnet. She took the stand and testified that, as a 14-year-old, she had been the one who had seen the defendants carry the body of a man through the woods. The gang had seen her and threatened to kill her if she ever talked. One member of the gang, Jonathan Dark, had married Mrs. Collins' sister and often said he would kill her when she visited. A few years later, he actually told her he was going to kill her, but Mrs. Collins' sister shot Dark before he could. But the case was missing evidence. There was no body, no weapon, and no treasure. Just Mrs. Collins and Anderson's stories. The Justice of Peace granted a defense motion to dismiss the case, and the four men charged with murder went home free. As of the 1960s, it was said that old-timers in the county believed the ghost could still be found at the Locust Grove on the Huntsman Farm. The Taylor County gold has still never officially been found. Very interesting stuff. <laughs> Are we buying uh, metal detectors and heading <laughs> to Taylor County? I think we need to, yes. <laughs> okay, but before we do that, let's call taps. Sounds great. Hey, Tabs. Thanks for joining. Hello. So we're in Taylor County. Have you been? I have been to Taylor County many times as probably one of the coolest towns in Iowa, Gravity. And if you're driving into Gravity, the sign on the front of the town as you're driving in says, we're down to earth. <laughs> and at the bottom, oh it says, if gravity goes, we all go. So just like the ultimate dad joke of a town. Well, I mean, that's the, that's actually their sign as you're going through town. And I remember when RAGBRAI, the registers annual great bike ride across Iowa, went through gravity, the commentators from the register made a big deal about gravity. Is it better than the tagline of right place, right time, right county or whatever? Yeah, that was good. <laughs> I don't know. Gravity might have the coolest one. I mean, seriously, if gravity goes, we all go. Sad. Uh, so Taylor County, we're talking about basically a treasure hunt. 
And there's a popular show on Netflix right now called Outer Banks. Have you seen it? Like most baby boomers, I'm sure I have not. Okay, just wanted to check. Bummer. Uh, but do you believe the story that there could be treasure buried in Taylor County? Well, I, I believe that it's a possibility. You know, aliens are a possibility. But to think that of all the people in Taylor County that have known about this for 100 years have not found it, it's pretty difficult for me to believe it's still around. Okay, have you ever dealt with a case that has real treasure, like not just inheritance, but treasure? Um, you mean like gold pieces? Or... I guess, yeah. Sure. No, I've never a, a had chest of like pearls or something. I don't know. <laughs> um, I've had a lot of cases that have got to do with money and wealth, but the treasures I would be thinking of in murder cases are life insurance policies, inheritances, those kinds of things. So boring. Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> now, I mean, I'm going to step back and just say there might be some robbery stuff where somebody was killed, an accomplice was killed so that they could keep all the money. But I don't have any, I don't remember any direct case that comes to mind that I can think of where that happened. But I, I got to believe it's happened. What about like suitcases of cash? Well, then now you're going down like the drug cartels and things of that nature where, yeah, I mean, definitely, but mainly because the drugs are money that the people are being killed. Mm-hmm. Okay, dumb question. When you find a suitcase of cash, does that have to go to evidence or what, what happens with the actual money? Yep, that's actual evidence. And um, if the owner is not found, it eventually goes back to the state through a statute that allows the government to seize it. How much do you think the state makes a year off of that kind of stuff? Not much. <laughs> okay. Not much. But I mean, you guys have seen those great treasure hunts that the state treasurers always put on where they have accounts of money or found savings bonds and safe deposit boxes or whatever, and they can't figure out where the people are that own them. So there is some money that goes back to the state. Seems like some sort of ripoff. In this case, technically, who would have the right to the treasure if it was found? So refresh me, the treasure was allegedly by these two guys that were coming through town a a father and son were coming through town um they were cattle buyers they were supposedly killed in like 1860 something and then these local men who were in a gang that was styled after like the jesse james gang supposedly killed them buried them and then buried the treasure to come back to it later so they wouldn't get caught with it right away yeah so the treasure itself would probably be like regular U.S. currency of the time period. Yeah. So, I mean, it, yeah, it belonged to them, the guy and his kid. And if it was ever discovered, it would go to their heirs, who they, whoever that would be. Got it. So if Allie found this treasure, <laughs> would she have to report it to someone and then it would go down to their, like, that's what you're saying? Yeah, but a hundred years later, it would be very interesting on how that worked. Like and again, over I think a hundred there's actually a statute in Iowa that tells you how to do that. You know, you try to find the rightful heirs and if you can't find them, then there's, you can petition to be, you know, have it come back to you. Again, I'd have to go back and read the statute, but I think there's actually a statute that says on abandoned property or abandoned money, how it works. You could do this with abandoned property. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If there's some kind of property, cars, whatever that have been abandoned, you could do it. Uh, do you believe that there is treasure there? No, 
No. If they buried it, they probably came back for it. If they did bury it and didn't come back for it, somebody local probably dug it up and got it. So they supposedly didn't go back for it because their map that they drew was lost, was burned in a fire. Yeah, I would just, I would be very startled if it was still there. Okay. Good to know. You're not a a competition. I'm a a skeptic. (laughs) Do you think the bodies from 1868 could still be found today? Well, yeah, the skeletal remains definitely could be. They'd still be intact? Well, that's a whole different, yeah, no, you don't know. I mean, animals could have scattered the skeletons, um, you know, erosion, water. There's so many things that can affect that. But if they were buried and, and laid in a place where they were fairly undisturbed, yeah, the skeletons probably, human bones take a very, very long time to disintegrate. Do you agree with the judge's decision to dismiss the case on the local men that was brought forth like 35 years later? Well, I mean, I I don't think they had enough information. So I think the judge was correct. And again, always think about what it would be like to try to bring a case back 30 or 35 years later. You have dead witnesses, people that can't be found, evidence that hasn't been preserved correctly. So it would just be very difficult to prosecute a case at that that is that old. And that includes today in 2022. All right, let's go around. Allie, do you want to say your theory on what you think happened? My theory is it happened and the treasure is there and nobody's found it, but we're going to. <laughs> Complete optimist. Yeah. <laughs> Taps, you, th- you think there's nothing there? I don't think there's anything there. And I think whatever pittance of money that was taken that Dave, somebody got a hold of it at some point. Do you believe people actually died or do you not even believe that? No, I think obviously that um, there was an investigation later and things like that. It's There were highwaymen, robbers that, that roamed during that time frame. And think about it, if Taylor County would have been extremely rural back in those days, mm-hmm. there may not have been people even close enough to know about it. So yeah, I think it could have happened. All right, Beth, your turn. No, I'm, I want to be an optimist. I think the, the story happened, everything happened, but someone probably scooped up the money. Someone probably stumbled upon it and just took it, you know? Do you think it was that old, like kind of eccentric pharmacist dude that we talked about? Maybe. Maybe it was the woman that was told to keep her mouth shut. Mm, True. She did like move down to Missouri or something. All right. Well, thanks for joining us taps. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Oh, hello there. As a marketer, I hate promotions like this. Same and same. But I love content. Me too. So if you like our content, give us a like, follow, share, subscribe, note, fax, literally anything you think would help us continue making Daiwa a success. Thank you, thank you, thank you.